Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Collective podcast with myself and Will. As always, we are looking into, um, we're going into bigger topics today rather than looking at each individual game. Um, Largely because me and Will spent a large portion of our weekend together in Cardiff. um, So didn't get to watch much rugby and the rugby we did, we were fairly intoxicated when we saw. However, we will endeavour to go into the bits that we did see and... um, and, and yeah, and give a, give some thoughts on the weekend's rugby as well. Um, Will, did you enjoy Cardiff? Did you enjoy much rugby that you did see? Um, yeah, I enjoyed both half actually. Um, don't remember an awful lot of the Gloucester game that I went to on the night before. Um, yeah, I was, went out with uh, uh, the other half, her family, and uh, and the boys from the Bath Rugby Plug. Um, little shout out to their podcast did feature on that as well this week to so go ahead and give that a listen at the Bath Rugby plug. Um, some good lads over there doing some some good things with uh with the club game, um specifically Bath of course. Um, but yeah, don't remember a huge amount of it. Um, which I mean I suppose is is the sign of a good night. But yeah, the rugby I did watch um has been been pretty good and uh yeah. Well, we were in an Irish bar watching. A significant portion of Leicester uh, Leicester Quinn's game, although I couldn't tell you much about it. <laughs> yeah, du- double gin and tonics at that point at about what half three in the afternoon. So I think that's uh, uh, yeah. all you need to know. Follow following a re- vodka Red Bull. Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, it was that's very early. <laughs> yeah, it's early. a recipe for disaster, really, isn't it? Recipe for disaster. It wasn't ideal, but we shall endeavour to give you the most up to date and and polished rugby analysis that we can, because that's the sort of thing we do here on this podcast. Um, and that's why you keep going back for more, I'm assuming. Um, one part of news, a little bit of news before we start today, I, and I did see this, have you seen the news about Antoine Dupont that got released today? Yeah, I've not jumped into it fully yet, but um, Neither have I, it's to do but, with the sevens, isn't it? Yes, he is, the, the Olympics, uh, Olympics is next year, and there's rugby sevens, and because of that, uh, Anton Dupont has decided he wants to go and play for the Sevens for France to try and win an Olympic gold medal. Um, so he's not taking part in next year's Six Nations. Now, mm. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I do, actually. I, I think it's a bit crap because you want... He is the best player in the world and you want the best players in the world playing in the best competitions in the world. And for me, the Six Nations is one of those. So it's a bit annoying, that. Yeah, it makes it a little bit harder to sell and it also makes the game slightly unprofessional in a way that... the the best player in the world is is technically taking a a year out of one of the biggest competitions, but at the same time, if that's what Antoine Dupont wants to do, that's what Antoine Dupont wants to do, and uh, yeah, I'd follow him into follow him into battle wherever he goes. So if he wants me to lace up the boots on the seven circuits, I'm sure I can find a, a distant relative to qualify me over there as well. So, um, but now good 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 on him because why not? If if you if you can, why not? I'm not sure there's much. Demand for locks in in sevens, though. Well, unfortunately for you, yeah, um, well, you've got to think I'm a utility between between locks and and centers, really, aren't I? So lock center, right? That's lock center combo. You up when they play center. Um, when <laughs> the only the only other thing I was going to say is, do you reckon we'll start to see more players potentially doing this if go in and try and win Olympic medals? Because obviously, 15s you can't. It's, it's something that you can't achieve um, unless you go and play for the sevens. Well, I mean, if it does, Great Britain would be in with a pretty good shout, wouldn't they? Yeah, no, it, it probably would help their team. But then I guess if everyone does it, also, I guess Dupont is in that rare position that he can walk straight into that France team and and um, massively improve them. I'm not sure too many 15s players could do the same um, necessarily in the sevens because it is quite a specific skill set. Um, to go and help them. And teams like Fiji, um, they're flying anyway, aren't they? Yeah, no, exactly that. You'd probably look at Fijians going the other way. You'd want some uh, Fijians coming back into the default in Union, wouldn't you? But um, I tell you, you would be bloody good at sevens. It's Ben Earl. Ben Earl yeah. would be a hell of a sevens player, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, any, yeah, any fast back row, Sam Simmons and everyone, be brilliant. Um, yeah, would be very good. Yeah, you just need big, Fast um, guys who who've got a good gas tank, and and then you're all right. Um, and especially Sam Simmons and Ben Earl got some slick hands on them and all. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if any players do. I guess not as much because you may have to, as Dupont has, take um, 
a back step in your 15s career to do that. But I guess at this point, Dupont's kind of, he's won the Six Nations with France, so he'd rather go and win the Olympic gold medal, I guess. Yeah, why not? Why not? Although, There's many stuff are in the, France in the good at sevens? I don't know. It's not a na- it's not a nation that I'd associate as one of the top sevens teams, but I don't, I don't follow it closely enough to know. I'm going to be dead honest, I have not followed French sevens all that much in previous times. Um, and off the cuff, that is a tough question for me to answer. I have no idea. Um, but it's not a My bigger point was they're not a nation that you associate with the Fijis and New Zealand's, Australia, who, you, uh, who from the bits of sevens I do see, they're the ones that seem to be winning the tournaments quite a lot. I'm not sure that I've seen too much of France. I think the last sevens I watched, Kenya were tearing up. Yeah, no, Kenya have got a good sevens team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought they did. I thought they did. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've only got seven good guys at rugby, so they can't put a 15 together. But um, as I said, we are looking at moving on anyway. We're looking at um, some more overarching themes um, this week rather than the specific games. Um, and we're, we're looking at the teams, um, and we'll start with this. Uh, let's start on a positive note, and we'll look at. Uh, we'll look in a minute, maybe something slightly more negative, but we're five games in now. Um, who and I'll, I'll ask you this question first, Will, before I, I speak on it. Who is the team that has impressed you the most so far this season? I mean, there's a couple of contenders for sure. I think for me personally, I think uh, I really like the way Northampton have started to develop. I think they started a little bit slowly, um, but they're starting to, to look really, really tidy. Um, their scrum has gone way better than I think a lot of would have expected it to, um, which is nice to see. I think we, we've we said going into it that we know that Northampton can play this flair attacking rugby, which is great. Um but if they solidify in in defence, if they, they really tighten up their set piece, they could be in a good spot. And I think they've really made strides in doing so. Um, but I think for me, probably Exeter Chiefs have been the one who have really impressed. I know I had a little bit of a, a nose last week with with what's impressed me so much with them. And so if you if you want a full uh, nose session with about Exeter Chiefs, then I, I recommend jumping into to last week's podcast. There's a, a good chunk of it. Um, which I, I spent some time going into that. But yeah, I know they just picked up a loss um, on the road this weekend. But I think overall, I think, yeah, Chiefs have re- really looked good for me. Fair enough. Well, they may come into one of my um, categories later on when we, we look at a different uh, thing. But for me, I think, I think I'm think i actually going to go for Harlequins. Um, now, this kind of might seem obvious with them being top of the league. Um, one of the two teams that's won four of their first uh, five. But if even if you look at their loss against Gloucester, really, really, they should have won that game. Um, and it was only a last-minute try at King's Own uh, that saw saw them lose that game. But um, then they've gone on, beaten Exeter, who we know are a decent team, um, although that was at home and Exeter do look a bit weaker away from home. Um, but then they've beaten Bristol on the road, uh, Newcastle at home, and then Tigers on the road. So to beat Tigers and Bristol away from home, and realistically should have been Gloucester. Um, but yeah, to go to we all, everyone knows how hard Welford Road is a place to go, and so to get that, uh, to pick up some big wins there, and I think it's the style of rugby they're playing. Um, obviously they're they're ruthless in attack, and we know that, but they've got that uh sort of fight and fire and gritty nature back in their game. Um. Which I think they had a couple of years ago, uh, when they were uh fighting for the league and winning the league. Um, yeah, for me, they look like they've got that back, that bit of know-how um to to dog in these games. Um, I think you kind of saw that with Leicester. Um they were it was it was going back and forth a bit, but then they had the know-how to kind of grind it out and win that. Where last season, maybe the last couple of seasons, um they wouldn't necessarily have had that um, about them to go and, and get that big win. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's Harlequins, especially, I think the other thing is, when you looked at, obviously, their form back half of last season was atrocious, and then their form in the Prem Cup, they didn't look good either. Um, so to really have stepped that up and, and look really good, and I, we know with the talent in their back line and with Marcus Smith, they're going to score a bunch of points. Um, but, yeah, that gritty nature and... 
doing the, the the real dog work i think that's that's the thing that's kind of stood out to me um most about quins because it's not necessarily something that you'd associate with them no absolutely and i think one key name when you think of the grit and determination and, and hard work is you, you look at joe launchbury what a name to bring in um right into the heart of your pack uh we know he's a workhorse we know he's got heaps of experience um we know he, he knows the dark arts about stuff we don't even see through all of that experience um and then also he's just such a leader isn't he um to have have amongst that that team so i think someone like him coming in makes huge strides in in that developing um, alongside a lot of young players who are developing too. And I think a Don Brandt playing back to his best, maybe maybe the best we've seen him play, um, is always key. He looks more determined. He looks fitter. He looks better in attack, looks much, much better in defence. And having someone like that on form, it, you, you can't ask for much more than that. Eh? And he's, he's really fighting for that England shirt back, isn't he? Yeah, no, they look excellent. I think the other thing is as well, a lot of people would have expected them to start slow because obviously they lost their nine and ten um, with, with England. So to have started that strongly without your starting nine and ten um, is only going to do great things. Obviously, they've come back in now and they're really looking to kick on and could have a really, really strong season. Um, in a season, you only need to be... Um, well, they won four in a row now. If they can win a few more in a row they'll be in really good state because no one else seems to be putting together a run of games. Everyone seems to be up and down a bit more. So you, if you can pull away fairly quickly, if you can string um, three or four games together, and obviously they've already got four, but yeah, if they can string a couple more, um, they'll be really, really good stead. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. It's just about keeping it going, isn't it? And that's, yeah, as you say, just stringing those games together. Um, yeah, the one that surprised me is no one's talks about them. I've not, re- I barely heard anything about them. The whole Sale have got four wins. Yeah, I think I think Sale are are that team who just are. Do you know what I mean they just need to keep it? We we know that they've got a fantastic side. We we spoke about them no end. I think both of us predicted them pretty high up the the table. But yeah, four wins out of five is is pretty good going, isn't it? And deserving of that second spot so far. And with with your players like George Ford and stuff starting to get bedded back in, Manu Tuolangi still to come. Um, yeah, you've got a lot of players. But I say that, Manu Tuolangi still to come, but how good has Sam Bedlow been? Um, I mentioned it on the pod last week, maybe the week before. He's been exactly what they need and more. Monster in D. He's been carrying really nicely and he's uh, excellent over the ball as well. And I think any team who has a 12 who's fantastic over the ball has a brilliant defensive threat at all times. So it's, yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have a player like that in your team. And, someone who may have flown under a lot of people's radars. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we're now going to go to least impressive or team, yeah, who who's under, maybe underperformed potentially what you thought, um, but least impressive. I'm going to, I'll start off. I think the one for me is potentially Bristol. Um, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go for Bristol because I think they're the one that, of the teams of the lower half, that they are the ones that, are really, when you look at it, they um really struggled. And I think a large part of that is, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe AJ McGinty hasn't played since the first game. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't think you are wrong. I think that is... I think that no, is and I think... Shidi's had the jersey. Yeah, and I think that may be a big part of it because they looked brilliant early doors against Leicester until Sheedy went off. Uh, sorry, Sheedy. Until McGinty went off. And then it kind of collapsed. And then since then, they did get a win away at Northampton, but then have lost at home to Qu- at home to Bristol, away to Exeter, and then at home again to Sale. Um, so they haven't won a home a home game since then. Um, and yeah, when you looked at the stars they were bringing in, the Yanzi Van Rensburgs, the the Vakatawas, um, that I, I think. That maybe blinded me a little bit when I was doing my predictions because you just look at those names and you think, wow, these players are so good. Um, obviously, Ravuvu's come in as well. So they've got a lot of star talent in that back line. And it's just a little bit disappointing. It hasn't really clicked yet. Maybe that's maybe that's to be expected when you look at um, a whole new back line effectively being put together. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time for it all to click and and start working especially if you start in tens out but um for me yeah they're the ones that especially after such a good start from two wins 
um, two wins from two, and then they've lost three in a row. Um, I think that's a that's a little bit of a disappointing, um, at least not very impressive, especially when they've got, as I said, such a wealth of talent, especially in those backs. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it not clicking. The weird thing is, is they had a brilliant performance against Leicester on the opening weekend, followed by another very, very tidy performance and the result probably more impressive than the performance against Northampton away from home. And then ever since then, it seemed to have just been going slowly downhill. And you say they've brought in a lot of good players and they, they definitely have done. We haven't seen Revuvi or Malin's feature yet. Um, we haven't seen Genj feature yet either. Um, so it's... It's just, uh, yeah, there's a few more players to come in, but you wouldn't say any of those would be crucial to the game plan as such. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, aren't they? I think they just need to, I don't know what they need to do, to be honest, James. They just, I've seen a lot of Bristol fans calling for Pat Lamb's head already. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it that's sometimes, that is sometimes wrong when you bring in these big names. You have to get the results. You look at Exeter and what they've done. And no one was expecting really anything. They didn't, they brought in a few names, but none of them like Joe Hawkins. It's not a world beater. Ethan Roots, again, players like this, they're not, they're not Vakatawas, they're not Van Rensburgs. And sometimes when you bring in names like that, the expectation is so high that if you do slightly underperform, um, then that is always going to be the case. Um, especially when especially when they, they lost such fan favourites in Charles Piatau and Semi Rodrada, who were obviously massive, massive fan favourites there at Ashton Gate. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think calls for his head is a bit premature and a bit harsh, but um, I can imagine if they lose a few more, um, then, yeah, that is that is where that is heading. Um, who would you say you've been least impressed by so far? I mean, yeah, I think Bristol definitely come into it purely based on on the the sort of expectations, if you like. I think a lot of people would have been expecting them to uh, bounce on and find their way um, up the table a little bit. I mean, obviously Gloucester have been poor, Newcastle have been poor, but then I think it, it may be starting to start looking at Leicester Tigers. Um, one win from five isn't great, uh, better only than Newcastle. Uh, who are currently still looking for their first win. Um, you could argue they've had tough games based on the fact they've not had a full international. And you could also argue that when their internationals do come back in, they'll have nothing to to really worry about. By no means do I think Leicester will end up at that spot come the end of the season. Um, but in terms of being poor over these first five games, I think you, you have to look at Leicester. At home to Quinns, tough loss this weekend. Um, from a Quinns who just seemed to to turn up away at Sarri's is never easy. Um, uh, yeah, it's just never, never easy at all, especially when their internationals are just coming back in. Um, a, a win at the wreck is a brilliant win, to be fair, with with the Bath team going as well as they're going. But then losses at home to Sale and then also away to a Bristol team who've just mentioned being quite poor this season so far. So, yeah, I think it's, I think in, in terms of the first five games, you have to mention Leicester. Um, but that being said, I think they will have nothing to worry about at all. But they'll have to pull their finger out soon if they want to be making those playoffs because you can't afford to have that big um, period with the, the little amount of games that we have in this uh, in this Premiership season. Yeah, no, I fully agree. The only reason I didn't go for Leicester um, was because of how depleted their squad has been. And we've spoken about some of the others, uh, uh, some of the other teams and how many internationals they lost but for me Leicester when you looked at it was 99% of their pack and then their nine their 10 their fullback like it was it was so many key positions in that squad that they were losing um and yeah and especially in the pack when you know that's the sort of style Leicester play is such a, such a dependent game on that pack and they were losing um like pretty much every player uh so it is it is difficult for me to have said them as much as as a Bristol who obviously did lose some players but not as many to the extent of Leicester have. Um, but yeah, I guess especially if Leicester lose another one um, this weekend when their internationals are back in, then that is the pressure is starting to pile on there. Um, so yeah, that that would be interesting to see. Um, but they, yeah, as you said, need to pull their finger out because they're already ten points behind fourth. So if they have any 
thoughts on top four. They are really going to have to start picking up some dubs. Um, yeah, the other teams you mentioned, Gloucester have been poor, Newcastle have been poor, but um, I you kind of expected both of those, so I haven't gone, like, I don't think I'm that unimpressed by them if uh, that's kind of how I expected them to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you can't be, with, with all due respect to Newcastle and Gloucester, you expected them to be near the bottom. So you can't be too disappointed now. They are at the bottom. Um, yeah. I think the big, big one for me now is, do Newcastle win a game? I mean, yeah, I definitely think they do. They've been pushing and I think they've, they, to be honest, at times I think Newcastle have actually looked very good. And I know we say this and maybe I'm a blind optimist at certain periods. Um, but I, I, yeah, I keep banging the drum of um, Kingston Park is going to be a fortress at some points this season. It's, not a, it's not going to be an impossible place to go, but it's going to be a tough, great place to go uh, through the winter, especially a horrible place to go. Really, you saw Northampton picking up a two-point win against them. Gloucester, very similar as well, um, picking up a four-point win um, up in the north. Uh, I'm trying to look, has anyone else played them at home? I think that's the only two home Sorry. games they've Sorry played. Sorry, this weekend. So, oh, yeah, of course, that was at Saturday. Well, obviously, I'm not going to mention that because that definitely doesn't fit my agenda at all. No, Sarri's absolutely battered them. I mean, it was quite nice on BT Sport because I was watching the Northampton game. Um, that they showed, oh, Newcastle have gone seven 0 up, and then they didn't show the <laughs> onslaught from Sarri's <laughs> for the yeah. rest of the game. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because you look at them and you say about Kingston Park um, being a fortress or whatever, but. You only have nine home games um, a season in this condensed league, and they've already lost three. So yeah. well, six game got... unbeaten home streak on, yeah. on the uh, on the horizon. And their next, but uh, if you look at their fixtures, next they've got Sale at away, going to be hard to see them picking up anything there. Then Exeter at home, but Exeter haven't travelled that well. But Exeter are flying, so you wouldn't be surprised. Um, Leicester away. Very difficult place. Bristol at home, Saracens away, and then you're into the new year. So it's, I don't know. It just, they probably, I agree with you, they'll probably pick up a win at some point, but it's going to be a hard old season for Newcastle. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely is. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I always back Newcastle. I always want Newcastle yeah. to do well. It's the um, underdog mentality, isn't it? Yeah. Um, right. The next one we're moving on to is who has surprised you the most um who surprised me the most are we talking teams or players it's still teams i would go with a team you can you can mention some players if, if any players i couldn't think of any off the top of my head because i think you would be most of um certain teams rather than individual players but um yeah no for sure i think i think if we're looking at teams i think I mean, you could argue Harlequins. I don't think many of them would have expected those guys to be top um, at this stage of the season. Um, it's been a great start for them, obviously. Um, I think it's got to be... Yeah, I think it's got to be Chiefs. I, I, I did think they'd struggle this season. Obviously, they've had a big exodus of players. Um, they've lost a big load of senior players who have been coming through the ranks and then leading that team for a long time, especially through the Baxter era. Um, and since they've... Since they've well, when they went, everyone was asking the question of are these youngsters good enough? Are the players bought in good enough? As you mentioned, they've brought in some what is seemingly very good players. Um, but at the time they were relatively risky players coming in and questionable decisions like Solomon Carter looks looked brilliant last season. Then they got rid of him to a rival in Leicester. What's the what's the, the situation there? But it's clear that Baxter's tried to reimagine this team. Um, and he's done so seemingly quite well. They've they've played really nicely. They've got a good style of play. They've got players like Russ Tuima coming in at second row, who no one saw coming, um, which has worked fantastically. A lot of internationals to come back into the fold as well. Um, yeah, I think I think they've played it quite well, and they've they've took a lot of teams by surprise. But this is a yeah a lesson. Don't under underestimate Baxter because yeah, funnily enough, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and. They we spoke about last week um 
about teams maybe not targeting away games. And I'm not saying that Exeter are doing that because they've seemed to have got a fairly consistent team list. But they very much have been focusing on the home games. Um, played three at home, one or three, uh, and lost the two away games. So, but that will be enough this season. If they go and win all their home games or nearly over their home games and pick up a result or two away from home, then you're going to be probably top four, if not um, even slightly higher. But you're going to be in and around if you can win all your home games. And Exeter so far have looked absolutely brilliant at home. Um, and that's probably aided, and, and their struggle away from home probably down to that squad naivety and the the young the amount of youth in that squad um not traveling as well feel more comfortable at home have the routine um know exactly how everything goes at home um and then when you go away everything changes slightly so um i think that is probably an aspect to look at it but yeah i i would agree with you from a good surprise um exeter are, are the team I think from a bad one, do you go Saris? I think you go Saris, you know. Maybe Leicester. Leicester, as we said, but Leicester have lost a lot of players. When you actually look at the Saris teams that are, um, that were out in those games that they lost the first two, they had the likes of Marco Riccioni, um, Theo McFarlane, uh, big players like this playing, and they still... And obviously they were missing a lot of England internationals, but they were... They still got done over, especially the Exeter game. They turned up and they have got better. In fairness to them, they have got better week on week and look stronger and stronger. But I think for me, um, that might it be like Owen Farrell then. Eh? Sounded like Owen Farrell then. Yeah. You need to get better, get stronger week on week. Week on week. Uh, but yeah, they they have done. And um, they look more like the Saris we expect them to look like. But yeah, I think maybe that's the biggest, because you just expect Saris from week one to be there, the pace setters flying. Obviously, they're sixth in the league currently. Um, one, three, lost two. But they, yeah, they just didn't look ready for the season. I don't know what that was about. Um, what they didn't look, they didn't look like they knew what they're doing. It took them a couple of weeks to get into gear. And now they're in gear, they seem to be all right. But yeah, they, they just didn't look it was weird for this for Saracens and the Saracens we all know they just looked underprepared and uh, yeah it's not something you would have associated with a Mark McCall team no exactly that and I think you've hit the nail on the head there and I think I think for me it's one of those things where do you, do you look at I think we've seen Sarri so long whatever team they send you know you're, you're in trouble whether it's the first team a second team or, or a youth team you, you don't know what you're going to expect. And I think this may be the first season with the reduced salary cap and with the, the age profile of some players, some players who have departed, uh, World Cup players obviously playing a part as well, um, where they've actually had to sit back and think, OK, we need to really be clever over our um, over our, our period where we don't have all of these boys available. Um, and yeah, it looked like it come back to bite them in those first two weeks. Obviously, from there, the internationals come back in and they're now looking like a very tough to beat team again, like we expect in a team that's probably going to go on and win the premiership if we're, if we're honest. But yeah, it's, 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 I'd be lying if I said it wasn't nice to see a, a Saris team struggle a little bit, but yeah, I think they've been disappointed over the first five as, as a whole. I know they're coming back up now, obviously, but disappointing as a whole. Um, But yeah, I don't think they'll be too worried about that going forward. No, no. But I think also you look at it back on it and the Gloucester first half, is massive um because they had to defend a hell of a lot on their own try line or in their own 22 in that game say Gloucester had gone over um when they were kind of dominant in the first 20 with two or maybe even three tries and suddenly off two losses your heads go down you lose that game as well and then you're in a bit of a rut um but they didn't they stuck with it got a win and then have then used that as a springboard to push back on but it would have been interesting to see. Obviously, we will never know now, but like that could have really ignited their season, having to put in that defensive effort and then gone and, and scored some points. I think, yeah, big, big moments now, which we might look back at, well, probably won't, but because it's Saris, so we just expect them to be there. But it could be a, a bit of a turning point in their season, really, very early on, obviously. Yeah, 100%. 100% it could be. And we will... That is our overarching themes for the week.
Um, did you have anything to talk about on the actual games this week? Oh, one thing to notice as a bit of news, Johnny May has been cited um, for an off-the-ball incident uh, in the Bath game in about the second minute, third minute. Uh, how long he's been banned for three games and it's a two-game suspension if he goes to Chapel School. Um, so he will be out for Gloucester for the next two weeks, but they have just had Nursery Zamet come back through um, from injury. So he, you just imagine he'll slot back in um, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but well, it is a, is a loss for Gloucester because I think he, he actually looked really good when he, he featured against Bath. Um, but yeah, clear clear decision. How does him it was missed? I don't know. Um, but yeah, clear clear decision there. Um, well, I think the, the reason the TMO's missed it is because the TMO was looking at a couple of things anyway. Um, and because yeah, it was it's pretty obvious, and it was it was a fourth, it was almost the forefront of everything anyway. The yeah, only reason that ball secured is because May absolutely clatters him. Yeah, because Carly said uh, on field that he can't um that for him that uh he hasn't taken him past the ruck, the TMO can't get involved in that because technically that would just be a penalty. Um and it's that's down to the ref's discretion, isn't it? Um so I think that's probably why the ref uh, the TMO's just not looked at it at all because he's gone right. Well, that's what the referees looked at. Um I don't need to get involved in that. Whether he could have got in, oh she could have got involved in the knock-on. Um, obviously, if you haven't seen it, just Ben Spencer gets a yellow card very early in the bath game um, for a cynical penalty. It was definitely a yellow card. However, just before that, Varney actually knocks the ball on um, at the base of the ruck. Uh, yeah, also true. Yeah, that did also happen. I don't know if the TMO can bring that back. Yeah, he can because it stops the, it stops stops the, the decision. Card. Yeah, that overturns yeah. the yellow card, essentially. Yeah, because because I understood with the Johnny May one, he couldn't bring it back because that is subjective whether the referees decided he's gone past the ruck or not. Um, but the knock on is a different different matter. Um, however, Gloucester still got battered anyway, even with a yellow card. So, um, yes, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. I will touch on it very quickly just because a lot of listeners know that we're Gloucester fans and we don't want to be. Seem to be avoiding it as, as much as we would like to. But yeah, um, I actually thought Gloucester were really good through that first half. Um, played like a team with great attacking intent. Great great rugby with a double pivot with George Barton and Santi Carreras, who both looked to impress. And then they exploited some good space in the wide channels. Um, and then from early in that second half, they just absolutely capitulated. Um, and Bath then started to, to show their stuff. Um, inside balls seemed to be... Uh, Gloucester's weakness, uh, always always a gap on the inside man off of Finn Russell, um, which is is something that the defence team will need to look to amend. Um, but yeah, classy performance from Bath in the second half. Um, and yeah, a, a massive Derby Day win for, for them. But that's pretty much, I think that covers yeah. it quite nicely. Yep, I agree. Uh, Gloucester's main problem is they're not clinical enough in attack and they're too easy to score against. And that is not a good combination. No, um, not even a little bit. And the fact that Bath scored 35 points in the second half um, is atrocious. Any team scoring 35, but in that sort of derby, when you're 10 points ahead at halftime, so like the other team scored five converted tries, um, it's, yeah, no, it's not good enough. And the heat is only rising on Skivington. Right. We are now moving on to this week's Masturbate. Yes, sir. Um, so we've had a, a submission through um, DM. Had had a DM submission, submission from the which masturbate. Is nice submission to the masturbate. Um, oh. So I think that I think we both know the the real what the right answer is and what the realistic answer is um, to this one straight off the bat. And I think that the person who's kindly submitted this um, has will also know the right answer. However, it's a fun little masturbate to do anyway. So. Rugby like Union, a little masturbate. A little masturbate, yeah. I think this will only be a, a quick little one, um, but still a good one. Anyway, um, Rugby Union should look into the option of adding some form of controlled fighting into the game. It's very similar to ice hockey. Um, so, yeah, if, if you say you get dump tackled, there's a, a legal sort of format to have a little bit of a scrap um, controlled sort of by the referees from there. What do you reckon, James? What do you mean? What do I reckon? Well, no, obviously not. I mean, how? What? 
what point do you take it? Um, so this is okay. So you you'll go for the for the no. Do you want me to 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 fight the case for it to start with? Well, it's funny. You know, it bring more eyes to the sport. So what it brings more eyes to the sport for sure. I think anyone who's a casual in ice hockey will will look for the big hits and the fights, and I think that makes uh, a great talking point for it. I think fighting was always uh, a big thing in rugby. Um, I, certainly for 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 me growing up watching rugby, there was always fights in the, in the games, and there was uh, sort of it was praised by the the commentary team, by the um, by the, the the fans, by the players. It was it was part of the game, and it was it was exciting. It added an extra extra element to it. What ice hockey do is they control control the fights somewhat. The two players will have a little bit of a a tear up um, and then the rest will step in when it goes too far and then they'll split them up and both players will go and take um, a rest period where someone else comes on and takes their place. Um, I think what this will do in terms of the players is I think it gives you a really interesting dynamic of how you implement enforcers back into the game. If there's some legal benefit to having um, a bit of a bruiser on your team who maybe lacks in technical skill, how useful could that be? Um I think it it brings uh, an added atmosphere. Imagine being in in the shed on Derby Day, Friday night. All of a sudden, I don't know who's two odd players from from the from the two the, the two teams. Miles Reed. He looks hard, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay. So Miles Reed starts having a tear up with Lewis Ludlow. All of a sudden, in the middle of the pitch, it gets heated. Lewis Ludlow. You said Ludlow. I did not. No, I did not. Yeah, you did. You not fully did. Not having you it. You really did. Definitely did not. We'll VAR it. We'll VAR it. We'll look back. We'll look back. But it definitely did not. But yeah, the, imagine all of the players step back. These two have a bit of a tear up. Imagine the sound of the shed. Imagine the away fans going absolutely mental. Just 10 seconds, a little bit of a tear up. Refs, refs take them apart. They both go and sit down. Cameras on him, talking it through. Heat of the moment. Building the atmosphere. Could be very, very exciting. Right, I thought five arguments to counter it automatically. Okay. One, they have rolling subs in uh, ice hockey, so that helps because you can't just have someone on for 10 seconds and then bugger off and then back on again. Well, you could have like a five-minute period where the person sits down. Right. Um, Two, it would start scraps in the stand, I think. Why? Oh, because if you've got a load of pissed up people on a Friday night and they see a load of scrapping on the pitch, that it's going to happen. Did that happen before? Did that happen before when when scraps happened all the time in rugby? Yeah, but if you've got like a sanctioned section of it, I think it's more likely. But but also, into my other point, you'll start scraps in lower... It's not exactly a good role model, is it? You'll start scraps in the lower levels of the game and they're they're trying to stop scrapping like um, the RFU put out so many statements about um, respecting the referees and stopping scrapping and stuff like that and hands out longer and longer fines for red cards um, at grassroots level. That's not going to help if they're like, well, yeah, but they can scrap in the uh, in the professional game. Hey, yeah, I'll, uh, take that board. Also, I'll take that on board. It's not good for kids. Uh, you tell teach your kids to punch each other in the face. Um, another one is concussion. They're literally talking all about headshots and not getting uh, getting any shoulder or anything to that, but you're advocating punching each other in the head. Yeah. And I forgot my last one. I think... Oh, what I happens think... if someone gets sparkled? What'd you do then? Well, get better for next week. So, Simple as that. Simple as um, that. Yeah, no, I... I, I mean, okay. it would be entertaining, but... It would yeah. also take away from the rugby. I think, though, they should just, like, you know, when there's a big... If there's a, a p- couple of punches thrown when they're all grabbing each other, they should just let it slide. Oh, here's what it is. Well, yeah, I, I certainly see all of your points, and I think if we're being realistic, they are all the, the right points to be considering, and also the points why this will never, ever happen. And Yes, me being the sensible one for a change. This is weird. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure. I, I agree, but... I think the thing is, I think it does add an extra exciting element for for supporters, and it also, I think it does is very interesting. I, I wonder how people's packs would look if this was a thing. Would you just have an absolute giant of a man in the second row who could just spark? Do you know what I mean? Had absolutely no ball, 
um, but then ball skill at just, all. But the thing is, what would happen is you just go into a big game and say you've got Anton Dupont playing. You just get someone to pick a fight with Anton Dupont who's massive. Say, I don't know, Ardi Surveyor, but someone bigger. One of the two Alangis. Get one of the bigger two Alangis to yeah, start this is a, with Anton this is Dupont. And he just goes left, right, good night. Anton Dupont out for the game. Yeah, but this is only if. So Antoine, both players would have to want to go into the fight. So someone couldn't just go over and leather Dupont and then say, right, me and you are having it and I'm going to absolutely annihilate you. To be honest, if we're using this example, I bet Dupont could probably throw Ant as well, just a little side point. Yeah, but, I know. But if you give him like Alessandro Tuolangi, uh, it's not going to end well for him. Alessandro? Yeah. Is that how you say his name? No. <laughs> how do you say it? Alessandro, no? Alessandro, whatever it is. Alessandro, he's not, he's not, he's not Italian. Alessandro, um, I don't know. Definitely not that. No D, I don't think. Sandra, um, Sandra no. Tulangi. There's no, there's no D. No, just Sandra. Sandra, okay, yeah, cool. Sandra. That's their mum, wasn't it? Sandra Tulangi. <laughs> but to be I fair, think... their mum must be a tank. Yeah, you expect so. But the the point being is, both players would have to be involved with it. So. In hockey, I think the idea is both players will have a little bit of preamble and then they'll drop the gloves and then go nuts. So what you probably see is if someone takes a crack at Antoine Dupont, uh, Paul Valems is on the shoulder jumping in to go and fill someone else in for it. Is the nah, idea. I don't see Paul Valemza. If you said Cameron Wockie, I can see that. You reckon? I bet he's yeah, I bet he is a scrapper to be fair. But I think Lemza looks I mean, soft. we know Ramon uh, Taifuna's got it in the locker. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't him, was it? It was Vahamahina that threw the big elbow, didn't he? Yeah, he just um, started elbowing him in the head. Yeah, that, that was yeah. We, we know he fancies a, a wee bit. Who was the prop that actually leathered someone against Scotland? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh. Bit the old Andy Hazel. Andy Hazel. Yeah, that was a. But but like oh how much traction I'm pretty sure. Chris Ashton versus Manu Solangi. This is what was I was going to say. I'm pretty sure the most viewed video on uh, Prem Rugby YouTube channel is Chris Ashton getting filled in by Manu Solangi. Yeah, but that's partially because everyone's always had that little bit of they'd like to fill in Chris Ashton. I think. Yeah, but it, but even people who don't know anything about rugby have watched that clip and loved it. Because you, know you I mean? need the things, but it's always like the viral things of like, oh, the biggest rugby hits and stuff like that. They always do really well. It's just because it's a complete compilation and people will see it through. Yeah, but pr promote it, man. That's what we, that's, I just think this sort of thing should be praised in the game because it promotes, it promotes what the game is for. As much as I like seeing Zamet fly over in the corner, Radwan step someone, Colby go around 10 blokes, what I like is also seeing Rene Ranger write people off left, right and centre. Um, also about... like seeing Jake Pelledry fly through people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Talking of um, players flying over in the corner, Henry Arundel um, has a hat-trick this weekend. Absolutely rapid. Yeah, how good. He is uh, He is some player, isn't oh, he? What I only you? saw one of his tries, to be fair, but the gas on him, he literally left the play... He started about two yards behind them and he left them by about 10 metres. Did you watch the kick chase one? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm on about. Yeah, there was an, another one where he just picks a line and just absolutely leaves him for dead. Um, He's just so bloody fast. Yeah, he is a, a very... I want to see a race between player. him, Radwan, and Rhys Sonnet. Yeah, I think, think Arundel is closer to the top of that list than a lot of people realise. Um, oh, I think Radwan gets left behind. I think Radwan gets left behind. Yeah. Huge call. Huge call. No, I, like I think Rabwan over like 20 metres might do them because I think his acceleration is nuts. I'm not sure he's got that top-end gas at the other two. I think Arundel and Radwan for acceleration is the closest battle. And then top-end gas, Zamet beats them both. I don't know. I'd like to... The thing is, as well, the way they run, Radwan and... Arundel always look like they're going faster than Rizamit because Zam looks like he's Yeah, he does jogging. always coast, doesn't he? He always looks like he's jogging. Yeah, true. Um, but that's also I think the size of them. Obviously, Radwan and Arundel aren't that tall, where Rizamit's what, 6'3 or whatever he is. Yeah, he's a tall boy. Tall boy. Um, 
the height yeah. on them makes the running different. Um, yeah, some player, some player, and that is our master bait done as well. So yeah, that is our master bait done. Let us know what you think. I mean, it's pretty obvious who's right. Um, I am, but we shall move on to our prediction section. Pre- that's quite hard to say. Prediction section. I nailed it first time. Good job. I'm not a lisp, isn't it? Um, where. We're off the back of James absent. I don't know why I spoke about myself in the third person. Now that was weird. Um, me beating Will or smoking Will. I got four out of five right last week. Um, Leicester let me down, but was close to a clean sweep. But Will only got two right. So Will, you've got to improve, or I'm going to replace you on the podcast. So, no, nope, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, it is. But I'm, I'm going to get five out of five this week. So five out of five this week, much. is it? Right. Well, we shall see. We will go to. The first game of the weekend. Well, there's actually two on Friday this weekend. So it is Derby weekend as well, which I think. Oh is yeah, it's Derby time. weekend. Every game's a Derby, sort of. As close to a Derby as you want. <laughs> Doesn't sound quite as good on the tagline, does it? Every game's a Derby, sort of. Well, Sale Newcastle is not really a Derby, is it? Yeah, I don't think Gloucester Exeter is a massive Derby either, really. No, it's not. Um, but it's it's basically close as close to Derbies as they can get. Um. We'll start at the wreck on Friday night, um, where Bath host Bristol. I'll let you start, Will. Who have you got? Yeah, I think um, Bath are a team that are just getting better and better at the moment, and I think Bristol are yet to impress. Um, so I think it's... Or, well, or aren't impressing as much as they potentially could have. So I think, for now, I'm going to go for uh, Bristol. Uh, Bath, sorry. Come for Bath. Uh, can we lock in who you're going for, please? Because that was quite confusing. Bath, we're going for Bath. Bath, right, right, okay. That's what I thought. It's way I thought you were going the whole way, and then you said Bristol. I was very confused. Yeah, um, no bad. Yeah, no, I, I'm l- tending to agree with you. I think Finn Russell will play uh, because obviously Orlando Bailey may still be out. I don't know. Um, uh, and yeah, Bristol haven't looked great. Bath at home. It depends if. I think Bath may be a team that actually wants it to be nice weather um, rather than it like, well, we saw them lose to Leicester in an absolute downpour. So I think the actual, it, it would actually suit both teams really if it was quite good weather and we could see a hell of a game of rugby if it was. Um, but yeah, I will also go with Bath at home. The other Friday night game on 7.45, this one's only on PRTV, though, and the other one's on TNT, is Sale taking on Newcastle. I'll go first. I will take Sale at home to win by at least 20. Yeah, I think I'm going to follow suit and also go for Sale there. I think, uh, unfortunately, for Newcastle, not giving us too much to um, predict on, are they, at the moment? No. Sale by... 30. 30. Fucking hell, it's gone big. Right, uh, on to the Wednesday, the Wednesday, the Saturday games. Um, and again with the five past three kickoffs, what the hell is up with that? Um, but Leicester are playing Northampton again on TNT. Um, at Welford Road, who have you got, William? Hmm, interesting one. This isn't it. I think this is uh, obviously a big derby in terms of what it means to to yeah. the two clubs. Proper derby. Yeah, proper proper derby, arguably the biggest in the Prem. Um, I think Tigers at home been disappointing so far, really. Um, especially by their high standards, you'd expect a very strong team out. Um, again, Welford Road's never an easy place to go. I think it will be very very close. This may even be game of the weekend this weekend. Um, but yeah, let's go for Leicester. So you've got Tigers. That's slightly annoying. I was kind of hoping you'd go for Northampton. Um, yeah, I've just seen Leicester picking up results, but then I backed them last week and they let me down. Northampton are going well, but I just think Leicester will have too much up front for them at yeah. home in a big derby. Yeah, I'm going Tigers as well. We're going to agree on all of these at this point. The, the battle of the scrum is going to be huge in that game. Yeah, and I think Leicester will win it. Um, I, I know. I honestly don't know if they will. I know Northampton have been better this season, but I think Leicester are just so good in the pack. Um, then there is uh, actually there's four games on TNT Sport this week, so sport for, sport for options. If you've got nothing to do, and I actually don't, so I've got no real excuse of not watching the games. But there's also a half past five um, at the Stoop, also on TNT, and that is Quinns playing Saris. Um, I will go first. 
And I'm actually going to say Saris will upset them at the stoop. Am I? Yeah, I'm going to go for Saris. Yeah, okay. For the sake of controversy, then I'll go for Quinns. I think Quinns have gone really well so far this season, obviously. Um, yeah. Against a very big, powerful, just ev- everything you, you'd want in a team, Saracens. Um, but yeah, so, so I think I think Quinns will back himself. And I think there's, yeah, there's no, matchups everywhere. I was really feeling Quinns, but I just don't like predicting against Saris. I just they're so strong, they're so good, and it's games like this, especially when they're they're as you said, it's it's is a, a derby, and that Quinns are t- currently top. Saris are sixth. They'll want to stamp on this and be like, right, yeah, but we're the top dogs. And for me, I've just, it's just got Sarri's win written all over it, even though I actually kind of feel like Quinns might do it. But then we'll go on to the Sunday game. Um, the only Sunday game this week uh, is on at three o'clock, and that is Exeter at home to Gloucester. Hmm. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, based on what we've seen, I think it has to be uh, an Exeter win, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of Gloucester team they put out. Um, we've seen them go fairly weak away from home and Exeter have been excellent at home. So that is not a good combination. Um, not for Gloucester anyway. Uh, so I I agree. I think Exeter will win and it could, could depending on the team, um, it could get quite ugly for Gloucester there. Um, which, although maybe Skivington won't allow it because if that gets ugly, that could be the noise on his job really amping up but just to recap that is me and will both have bath beating bristol at the wreck on friday night uh we both have sale beating newcastle um at whatever their ground is called the aj bell it says salford stadium now so i don't know what it's called anymore um also on friday night then we've both got leicester to beat northampton at welford road at three o'clock on uh, saturday um i have Sarri's will has Quinns um, at the stoop on Saturday night, Saturday evening. And we both have Exeter to beat Gloucester at Sunday Park on Sunday. We do indeed. A big weekend of rugby for sure. Um, four, four on TNT Sports this weekend. Yeah, which is huge, which is making me really glad that I bought my PRTV season ticket. Um, <laughs> it's what they should do every week. Yeah, it should be. It, it should be, to be fair. Um, can't argue there. So, yeah, if you can tune into them, please do. It's Derby weekend, which means every game is going to have that extra little bit more grit in it. Um, season's very, very close, but it's a very short season. So wins here are crucial. Um, whether you're at the top, it pulls you a little bit further away. And every game you don't win, if you're at the bottom, makes it a little bit more scary, especially with the threat of potential relegation come the end of the year. So, Every game means something this weekend. Um, So, yeah, a huge one to tune into. Hope you enjoyed this one, guys, and we will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.